Welcome to Fox Valley Church. My name is John Sitzler. I'm the lead pastor. I'm excited that you decided to listen to this message. Isaiah 61 states that we can be like great oak trees planted by the Lord. That's our goal for you. Yes, you. So as you listen to this message, be ready for what God wants to bring to your attention. I believe that you're going to encounter God as you listen. I really do. Are you ready? Let's discover what God has planned. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Wonderful. I hope you are. It has been incredible worshiping with you this morning, uh, partaking in communion together. What a, what, a, what a joy that we get to do this. We get to freely come to church, worship God, no restrictions, no hindrances. And that's not the case everywhere in the world. And it's a freedom that we should never, never take lightly because we get to come here, we get to do that. And it's been incredible to be with you this morning. I um, want to take just a little bit and, and talk about who I am and where uh, my wife and I, our family comes from. By the way, my wife is sitting in the front row over here. Can you wave, honey? My wife of 27 years, Trish. Uh, we have three kids. Uh, our son, uh, our oldest is 22, Peyton. He is married to uh, his beautiful wife, Izzy. They got married about a year and a half ago. Our middle son, Carson, is 19. And our youngest, Layla, is 15, going on about 33. Um, literally, you meet her, you go, how in the world? Anyways, um, we love, uh, love the opportunity to be here this morning. I want to say thank you to Pastor John and Sharice, and I know Sharice wasn't able to be here this morning, but um, just a privilege, uh, and I don't take this lightly either, uh, the fact that your pastor would be willing to give up uh, his pulpit this morning and say, hey, share what God has on your heart is a very humbling, humbling opportunity, and so I'm truly grateful for that. Um, I was born and raised a pastor's kid. I was born in Jamesville, Wisconsin. No, I am not a Packers fan. I apologize for those of you that are and think that I should be. I am not. Um, however, uh, born and raised a pastor's kid, um, John and I actually met at, at kids camp um, and it was during junior high camp that I, I was 13 years old and I was called into full-time ministry. I didn't step into full-time ministry till I was 43. Those of you who help, need help doing the math, I was 30 years in getting around to it. Took me a while. Um, but had the opportunity to do that several years ago now. Uh, was an associate campus pastor and a youth pastor. Um, did that for just about four years. And then God said, your time in that is done. And I went, okay, what's next? And God said, your time in that is done. You want to be in a season where God stretches and tests your faith. When he tells you it's done and it's, he didn't say what was next, that was, that was stretching and, and it really, we really grew a lot in that season. Out of that, I had the opportunity to step into another position at our church. I'm now the lead facilities manager. Um, people like lead facilities manager, pe churches do that. We are a multi-campus church, uh, which means I, I manage a total of 10 buildings and four houses. Um, basically, I don't run out of things to do ever. I'm busy all the time. Uh, it's an incredible opportunity to help steward our buildings and all the things that we get to do. Um, I've loved over the years getting to know your staff as well. Uh, they come over Usually uh, in June, we host a conference for pastors around the United States, and uh, Pastor Jessica, I've gotten to know Pastor Daniel, uh, John and Sharice come over, and it's been a privilege to get to know them as well. So 
Uh, we have a heart for this house. You may not be here very often, but that doesn't mean that we don't pray for you. Uh, and we're excited to be here. There's hundreds of people praying for you this morning uh, from our church. Uh, we had people texting us this morning, not just praying for us, but praying for what God has for each of you as well. So we're excited to be here. This isn't in my notes. Pastor John's uh, theme for the year is responding. And we just got done taking, taking communion, and I'm always struck by communion because in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, he blessed the bread, he broke the bread, and he gave the bread. Communion isn't something that we just do. Communion is an, is an act. It's, a, it's something that we should respond to. Yes, there should be a reverence about it because what we're doing is remembering that Jesus chose to be the sacrifice and he died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. But in this, he said, do this in remembrance of me. It's not something that we're supposed to just keep for ourselves. It's something that we're supposed to share with others. And so as you partook in communion today and as you go from this place, don't just keep that to yourself. And I'm going to talk about sharing gospel with other people, but don't just keep that to yourself. That's something to be shared with others as you go about your day. All right, now I'll get, now I'll get into my message. Uh, in, in keeping with Pastor John's theme, the title of my message this morning is Responding to Reconciliation. Responding to Reconciliation. Romans 5, verse 10 out of the NIV says this, For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more... Having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? There's a lot there in just one verse. So what it's saying is, yes, at one point we were enemies, but we were reconciled, and that's because Jesus came and chose to be the sacrifice, and we've been forgiven of our sins. But it doesn't stop there. We have been reconciled, but Jesus is now alive. How much more wonderful should our life be? How much more powerful should our life be? Because he lives in us. We're going to come back to that at the end of my message. So what is reconciliation? What's the, what's the definition of it? I looked it up. The definition of reconciliation is the restoration of friendly relations. Or, if you're a budget or spreadsheet-minded person in the room, it is the action of making financial accounts consistent and balanced. And all of the accountants in the room said Amen. Reconciliation, it's, it's to bring things back to a good place. It's to bring things back to a balanced place. It's to bring things that maybe were, were out of whack. It was to, it's to bring them back to a place where they can be in harmony again. So what is biblical rec reconciliation? This is, a, this is a definition from a pastor, uh, Richard Ezel is his name. Biblical reconciliation is the process of two previously alienated parties coming to peace with each other. Because God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and we just talked about that, we can reconcile with each other, no longer counting our offenses against one another. I had a tough time reading through the last part of that sentence the first time I read his quote. Because of what Christ did for us, not only, not only does it set the example, but it also says, you know what, I don't have to hang on to the hurts and offenses that have been done to me. Ooh. It's not what culture says. It's not what the world says. But that's exactly the example that Christ set for us. 
powerful. Christ lived it out in front of us. So, first point is this. Being reconciled to God. How do we do that? If we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, then we will be saved. That's what it says in the Bible, right? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life, right? That's what we believe. That's the heart. That's the message of the gospel. That's why we're here. That's why we were worshiping. That's why we partook in communion together. Because we believe that. That's a statement that we believe. But believing in Jesus, is we can't just believe that he existed. There's plenty of people in the world who believe that Jesus existed. They believe that he was a good man. They believe that he was a prophet. I mean, look in the Bible. There's, there's multiple stories of that. In Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said that some say you're John the Baptist, others, Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I love that. This is a mic drop moment with him. Those of you older here, mic drop is that was, he, it was a statement that he said and he could just walk away. There was nothing else to say about it. But it was truly this mic drop moment where he's like, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. That says it all right there. We could stop this message, we could stop this morning, pray together, say amen and walk out because that's what this is all about. Right here. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is amazing. We have to believe not only that he existed, but we also need to believe and accept the things that he did, the things that his word speaks to us as well. Because like we talked about, there's people in, in Jesus' time when he was on this earth and even now, they believe that he was, yeah, he, yeah I, heard, I heard about that Jesus guy. He was a good guy. Yeah, he had some really good things to say. No, 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 no. He's our Savior. He came and died on a cross for us. He talked about the things that we were going to do as Christians here today. Miracles, life-changing, sharing the gospel with others, making disciples. That's what this is about. So it's not just accepting or believing who he, that he existed, but it's also saying, you know what, everything that is in his word that he speaks to us, and that speaks to us today, those things are true and real, and I want to live that out. I want to live a life that mirrors that. I want to become more of who God has called us to be. Okay, let's go back and read John 3, 16, but this time, a little bit of scripture, so I want you to hang with me, but we're going to read all the way through verse 21, because I think a lot of times, a lot of us know John 3, 16, but we don't really go all the way through. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. That was Jesus coming into the world. 
but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Ooh, John 3.16 takes on a whole new meaning when you read that whole paragraph. And by the way, side note, not in there. When you read God's word, there are scriptures, singular scriptures that are very powerful. But when you have the opportunity, always read the paragraph or the chapter because it gives so much greater context to what that scripture was trying to say to us. If we just read John 3.16 in and of itself, it's powerful. It's, again, it's another mic drop moment of like, boom, there it is. But then you keep reading and it's like, wow, John 3.16 is powerful, but there's so much more. When we live in the light, when we step into what God has for us, that's the life he's called us to live. But it's also, we're called to share that with others so that others can live in the light as well. We're, we're not... Um, you grew up in the church, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. no. We're supposed to be a light. We're supposed to share with others. That's not something for us to keep to ourselves. I love that Pastor John was saying last night, there's been 20 people that have accepted Christ since the beginning of January just here at your church, and you guys are growing and building. And what that is, that's attributed to you guys Sharing the light, being the light in this neighborhood and in this city. That's what serving is about. That's what being a part of the church. So many times we're like, ah, you know, oh, be an usher. I don't know, you know, oh, be a greeter. Oof, oh, man, I, I, you know, I'm a Midwesterner. I'm a little, little reserved. I don't know that I can smile and shake everyone's hand as they come in the door. What if taking the opportunity for, to do that was the thing that led someone to sit through a service and hear the gospel preached, and they accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Would it be worth the uncomfortableness of shaking some hands and smiling and holding a door open? You bet it would, because you're affecting eternity at that point. You're affecting someone else's eternity at that point. God sent his son to this earth not to condemn us, but to save us. Wait a minute, you're saying God's intention was to love us first and ask questions later? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. He knew that we were going to mess up. He knew that we were going to drop the ball. He knew that there were things that it was going to take us a lifetime to get right. And please hear me, I stand in this pulpit, I am not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. But I'm trying every day. More and more, I want to be like Christ, just like we were singing in that song. Every day, I just want to be obedient to what he's asked me to do. We have the choice every day to choose him or choose ourselves. We can be Christ-centered, or we can be self-centered. Today, by making the choice to be here, to worship in community, to partake in communion, you made the choice to be Christ-centered. There might not be a church service tomorrow on Monday morning. You can still make the choice to be Christ-centered on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every other day of the week. That's what we're called to do. So that's being reconciled to God. Second point today, being reconciled to each other. 
And what I'm talking about in this point is being reconciled to the people that we, we were in community with, people in, in the church. 1 John 2, 9 through 11 says this, the one who says he is in the light but still hates his fellow Christians is still in darkness. Ooh, that's a little blunt. That's a little harsh. That stings a little bit. But it's not necessarily intended to be that way. I read that scripture and I, I was kind of like, ooh, thank you, God, for stepping on my toes. And then I read it again and I read it again and I read it again. And I truly believe it's just supposed to be simple and clear. Because here's the thing, things happen in the church. We are, we are human beings. We are flawed individuals. If you're a flawed individual in the room, raise your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, you should be, okay? We are all flawed human beings. That's, that's who we are. We, we do things intentionally, unintentionally. We hurt people intentionally, unintentionally. It happens. And I want to ask the question to you. Is there someone in the church that you hate? If you have the opportunity to hear our testimony, you'll understand I don't have a problem with awkward silence. There's been a lot of them in my life. And what, do I, what do I mean by that? You say, you know, what, what, someone in the church, we're supposed to love each other. Yeah, we are. But supposed to love each other doesn't mean that we actually do. And when I talk about, is there someone in the church that you hate? Is there someone that's hurt you? Maybe in this room, maybe in this church, maybe, maybe in a past church, and, and maybe you don't have any way to actually talk to the person. But you can still forgive them. You can still ask God to come into your life and do a work in that place of hurt and brokenness and say, God, change me. I think sometimes we, we come to the place where we hold on to we hold on to hurt and we convince ourselves that it's okay because we know that they did it intentionally. They, they knew what they were doing and they hurt me and I'm going to hold on to this. Guess what? We're still called to forgive. We're still called to let go. We're still called to be in community and to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Hate is a word that's thrown around too easily and too sarcastically. I hate that. I hate the Vikings. Okay, well, that's fine. Um, but, but we do. We, we joke, oh, I, I hate you for doing that. Oh, I, you know, it's, it's a word that we allow to come out of our, our mouth so easily that then all of a sudden we're stuck in our hate. And hate turns into bitterness. It festers. It boils. It becomes a sickness in us. We need to be really careful about that. I heard a quote once that really stuck with me. The absence of reconciliation robs the church of the power of unity. When we choose not to reconcile, we're not unified. When we choose not to forgive, we are not unified. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to hurt each other. I'm going to, I may say things this morning that you're like, I don't like that. Okay? Please know I'm not doing it from a heart of trying to offend you. I'm trying to share the truth of God's word and what he's laid on my heart today. There's things when we interact, when you're working on a project at church, when you're in a Bible study class together, you disagree. Great, disagree. Let me, let, me, let me clue you in on something. Pastor John referenced it earlier. We've been friends since the third and fourth grade. That means we've, been, we've known each other most of our lives. 
We don't agree on everything. Lord knows we were roommates at college for a year. We don't agree on everything. That doesn't mean we're not friends. That doesn't mean that we haven't come to agreement that John can have his viewpoint, I can have mine, and we can appreciate that about one another. And actually, that makes me a better person because when he shares something from his perspective, it helps me to see things in a new way. Don't be so stuck on, oh, we need, we need single-ply toilet paper in the bathroom because it's cheaper, and oh, we can't change the color of the walls. I've seen people fight over stuff like that. Is it really... Are those the things that are important? Or is opening the doors and welcoming people in so that they can find the gospel and share, heal, share be, have the truth of the gospel shared with them and find healing and truth, and most importantly, God's forgiveness for their lives? Isn't that what's important? I think so. Matthew 7, verses 3 through 5 says this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. I'm going to ask, act like Pastor John doesn't know this. I need you up here for a minute. stand over here. Just, I like telling him what to do, so I'm just, he could have stood, no, I'm just kidding. Speck, speck. This is a little tiny piece of wood, and most of you can't see them. We have this, hopefully you can hang on to that. It's a speck of wood. This is my brother. He has a speck in his eye, okay? Well, hang with me. Don't do that. Don't, I don't want to get in trouble with Sharice, okay? He has a speck in his eye. What is what does that scripture say that I have in mind? Plank. What is a plank? It's some kind of big piece of wood. And this obviously I could have gotten a much bigger piece, but this is plenty big to reference the fact. It's considerably larger than the speck, right? I need to deal with this in my life before I can come alongside him, not preach at him, not say I'm better than you, but simply, hey, I would like to come alongside you and help figure that out if I can. But I got to deal with this thing first. And see, here's the problem with the plank. Not only is it big and huge and obstruct my view, when this is in my eye, what does it do? What's, what's between John and I right now? Distance. It causes distance between me and my brother. It, when we hold on to things, when we hold on to that hate, when we have sin in our lives, this is what it does. Sin separates us from God. And this is a visual illustration. You could call this sin you can call it the plank in your eye. You can call it whatever you want. But there is distance. And right now, I can't get to John to be the brother that I need to be to him. I'm stuck. But when I choose to take a hard look in the mirror, put my hands out and say, God, I've messed up. I don't, I, don't, I don't have this thing figured out. I need help. I can't do this on my own. And we realize, you know what? I don't, I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore. I don't want this to be an obstruction in my life anymore. And 
I choose to take it out and deal with whatever it is and then lay it down, what happens? Get closer. I can build a relationship. I can come alongside. See, we, leave, we read that last, that last sentence, and you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, this is not me coming at John saying, I got it all figured out. This is me coming alongside John and saying, hey, you know what? Let me be a little transparent. Let me be a little vulnerable. I've messed up before. And I want to be a brother in Christ. And I want to help. I want to disciple. I want to, want to have conversations. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I be what God has called me to be? Thank you. That's what this is talking about. Distance. I don't want distance between me and the people that God has called me to. I certainly don't want distance between me and God. I want to be as close to him as I can. God, cleanse me, change me. That's why when we do communion, we take a moment. Pastor John did a beautiful job of this. Let's take a moment. God, is there anything in my life that you need, you need to work on? Here's the thing. We all have things we need to work on, just so we're clear, all of us. But it's an entirely different story when we say, God, what do you want to work on in me? This right here, it's a posture of surrender. Holding your hands out, yes, this is surrender as well, but for me in my life, and I'm just I'm talking for me, there's something powerful about this because God taught me one time. There's things he wants to do in me and through me, and by holding my hands out like this, and my hands open, not closed fist, but open, God, take out of me what you want to take out of me and put in me what you want to put in me. Something I try and live by, I talk about this a lot, especially when I was a youth pastor. Live your life. Don't, don't hold on to things. Don't hold on to the hurt. Don't hold on to the sin. Don't hold on to the things that, are, that God's saying, hey, just open your hands. Let me do a work in you. He's got good things for us. Anybody know that? God's got good things for you? Because if he doesn't, what are we doing here? He's got good things for us here. And, oh, yeah, there's the whole eternity in heaven thing that's pretty cool, too. So, you know, we get to look forward to that, right? It's interesting. I, I just read that passage was about the speck in your eye. It was Matthew 7, 3 through 5. Now I'm going to read, actually, Matthew 7, 1, 1 and 2. It says this. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Ooh. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. Ouch. And the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Just don't let that sink in for a minute. It's interesting that these scriptures actually come before Jesus talks about that, that speck and the plank. And I believe a lot of what it's talking about is humility. It's something that we can choose to learn. I had to choose to learn it. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been forgiven much. To whom much has been forgiven, much is required. I don't, I don't have this all figured out, but I'm trying to do a better job of it because I messed up massive, massive in my life. And still God forgave me. Why? Because God's bigger than my sin. He's bigger than yours. 
you say amen to nothing else, you should say amen to that because that's incredible. He's forgiven each and every one of us. It's a free gift that each of us can choose. We have to make that choice. We can choose to accept. Like I said at the beginning, God had something specific to talk to you about today. And I'd encourage you to take a step right now. What is something you could actually do based on what God brought to your attention? It could be the action step that was brought out in the sermon, or it could be something different. Just take a step. The Bible says when we draw near to God, He draws near to us. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to participate in person during one of our Sunday worship services. In the meantime, to keep up with everything our church is doing, go to foxvalley.church or download our app and search Fox Valley Church wherever you get your apps. God bless you.